another week, another Wonder Woman. What's up, everybody? How you doing? This is Adam Connor. We've got another great episode of To Dare Is Human Ahead. Thanks so much for tuning in. And if you are new to the show, we are a program that is devoted to exploring those stories of folks who are making the dare, as I'm calling it. Jumping into a new or uncertain venture or something creative that isn't pursued by a whole lot of people talking about the stories that are leading to that success. As we know, steps towards success take a long time. This show attempts to explore the early stage to the present of that, talking about some of the trials and tribulations on the way to that final chapter, towards that happy ending. And so I've been talking with folks all across tech and social media, including Christina Safran, the subject of today's episode. She is the co-founder and co-executive director of Project Heal, Help to Eat, Accept, and Live. Christina founded this when she was just 15. Her co-founder and her were both in treatment for anorexia and decided to do more to help this cause. They started that year raising $10,000 towards this effort. But as you'll hear me react on the episode, the costs related to battling anorexia and other eating disorders is incredibly high. Nonetheless, Christina has grinded over the past 10 or so years to get to the point where Project Heal is an amazing venture that is raising a lot of money for this cause. They just wrapped up a great gala in San Francisco with some tech entrepreneurs and some Silicon Valley icons raising about a quarter of a million dollars, and they are about to do the same thing on the East Coast next month, and I'll talk a little bit about that towards the end of the episode. This is an amazing, amazing cause. I highly recommend that you support, but first, I want you to listen to how this built up from the age of 15 to now, how Christina has made her dare now full-time into this venture, has brought more awareness, has brought more money for research, for education, to help other people to avoid the trials and tribulations that she herself has had to suffer as a victim of these types of disorders. It's an amazing story. I'm so happy to have her here as one of our Wonder Women. We've had some great episodes to date. I hope to have many more. But for now, without further ado, this is the co-founder and co-executive director of Project Heal, someone I'm very grateful to have had the chance to talk to. This is Christina Safran. All right, so I'm here with Christina Safran, the co-founder and co-executive director of Project Heal, Help to Eat accept and live. Uh, I'm so happy to have her here on the show. Happy we were able to connect. Uh, Christina, how you doing? Really good. Thanks for having me. Of course, of course. I- I've read about your story uh, again and again. I've seen it all over the place. Uh, for the listeners, Christina and I were in the same class at school, and um, she's been doing some uh, really, really awesome stuff since leaving, uh, since graduating, rather. And really diving into this this area of of awareness and prevention and protection um, against anorexia, which is a, an amazing cause. Um, uh, Christina, I know you have your own personal story here, uh, which is the inspiration for all of this. And I want to talk a little bit about that, and, and also into the decision to to jump into this as a full time endeavor, something that you were devoting your entire life to. It's a cause, and a lot of people support causes in certain ways. But not everybody jumps into it whole hog and does it 100% of the way like you have. And so I think that's inspiring in and of itself. Uh, But 
I'd like to turn the clocks back just just a little bit and and talk about you know your your initial journey to to, to get here. And I know um, you know a lot of a lot of twists and turns to that. Uh, obviously, uh, a personal experience with this. But how did you make the decision to go from you know coming back and and, and relapsing and coming back and, and showing strength all of these times? How did you convert that into building a program out? of education and awareness for others. Essentially, how did you end up turning this outward? Because I think that's where Project Heal probably got started, right? Yeah, absolutely. So the story behind this is that my co-founder and I had met in treatment when we were 13 for anorexia and really helped one another to get better, uh, pushed one another in recovery. And I think as we were doing better and our conversations began to shift from issues we were having to issues we had seen in the field, it, it kept centering around this one issue that people really cannot get access to treatment. Um, It's estimated that 30 million Americans suffer from eating disorders and 90% of them don't get treatment. And additionally, the the treatment centers that 10% of of people are lucky enough to be treated in, they cost $30,000 per month. Uh, So it's it's really an exorbitant amount of money and insurance companies often don't cover them. So really, it started with the two of us kind of naively, idealistically being like, oh my God, this is horrible. We have to do something about this. <laughs> and uh, right, sure. we hosted our first fundraiser at 15 and raised $10,000 at that. And we were like, wow, I guess this is resonating. We have to, we have to continue this. I think it is. Um, I, I didn't know that particular statistic. I'm sure a lot of people don't. Obviously you do um, because that that's what you've devoted your life to. But even, even then, I mean, because that to me, if I had some you know, project, fundraiser, whatever, and I raised 10 grand for anything, I would say, oh man, this is going to make a huge difference. And it is not an an insignificant number. And you're telling me 30,000 a month. That means that even with all of the effort that, that you came in, like that is, seems like a ridiculous expense. I'm shocked even hearing that. I was not expecting to hear that at all. Yeah. That it is, that that is the cost. And, and I guess it's even more shocking that, well, maybe, maybe not. It takes a certain amount of cynicism to accept it maybe, but that it's, that's the kind of thing that's not, that wouldn't typically be covered under, under healthcare, at least, at least in America. I don't know how it works elsewhere. Of course you, you do now having, having chapters of, of Project Heal across the U.S. and Canada and Mexico and Australia, these places, but uh, that, that in and of itself is, is mind blowing. And, you know, I guess, how did you, did it come as some realization at first that's like 10 grand, that's great, but wow, like we really need to ramp this up. Like how did you jump from from that moving forward in subsequent fundraisers to, to help spread the message even further? Yeah, absolutely. So part of what I think has been so incredible about Project Heal has been the real groundswell of grassroots support that's developed around the organization. So we have 40 chapters across the country and internationally now. Honestly, that came out of, you know, we'd have people writing to us from all over the country saying, how can we get involved? How can we help? And we'd say, oh, just give money. And, you know, they wanted to do more. And so we started the chapters. We said, well, you can raise raise funds in your local community communities that go back to national and that sprung up. I mean, those 40 chapters really sprung up before we had a single staff member uh, to really manage them. So I think it's been this really organic movement that really speaks to 
you know, oh my God, this was an issue that people really care about and it's affecting a lot of people and nobody is talking about it. Um, so that was a big, that was a big catalyst to get us to do more. I think since we've graduated, have been able to do it more full time, have been able to have more success and build on that momentum. Um, and also just being in the field now for God, almost 10 years, we've, we've realized some of the gaps even more. And so more recently we are expanding our mission into prevention and peer support programs because, Basically, we saw what a huge gap that is. Like I said, 30 million Americans suffer, 90% don't get treatment, um, and the 10% who do, it's in these, you know, intensive residential care facilities. So we're missing all of the people who begin to develop symptoms and behaviors. If if they are lucky to get treatment, they're kind of dropped from 24-7 care to essentially nothing. And so the relapse rate is upwards of 80%. So we're like, wow, this is an area that we really need to work in. And and that was a real catalyst for um, now building out these, these peer support and prevention communities. Yep. And it's, it's not only, it's not only building that, that middle step, I, I suppose, between the 24 seven intensive care and, and, and more or less no care, but also a lot of what you have done has helped send folks who have applied for aid to treatment. I'm just looking through some of the numbers here and, and uh, it looks like near 60 people you've been able to send, which is a far cry, I would imagine, from from the initial funds that you were able to raise. I think it's extraordinary the, the, the support that you have gotten. I'm just you know reading through the press that, that Project Heal has received, taking a look at some of the big names in media who have picked up your story. Um, I guess what element of, how did you get in front of these, of these big folks? I mean, was that something that you had to go and grind out and do? It was like, Hey, this is, this grassroots approach is great, but like in order to really, in order to really spread this message, we need to get in front of some big outlets and, and, and spread. Is that, is that how that worked? And, and what was the timing for that? Was it all while you were still a student or while uh, in, the, in the year and change after school in which you weren't doing this full time? How, how did that come about? Yeah, yeah. It's been some real grinding, uh, <laughs> but it's certainly been worth it. Um, I would say we've made a really concerted effort um, in the development arena since we graduated from college for the last two and a half years. And part of that is realizing that look, eating disorders are truly the most stigmatized, underfunded, underrecognized of all mental health disorders. Um, For something that affects 30 million Americans, eating disorders, nonprofits collectively in the U.S. raise less than $10 million a year. Um, It's just a completely silenced field. And and the, the National Institute of Mental Health research funding for eating disorders is similarly very dismal. Uh, eating disorders, I think per person, the science funding is about 77 cents compared to like a, a schizophrenia, which has you know much lower prevalence rates. It's like $88 per person. So they're really just there has not been enough attention paid to this disorder. And we could talk for hours about why that is. But to me, the biggest reason is that this is still viewed as 
frankly, a white rich girl vanity issue and a choice and not a real mental illness. And I think it really takes celebs, leaders, influencers speaking up and speaking out against that misconception. You know, we actually have all of the science to disprove that eating disorders have some of the highest genetic underpinnings of any mental illness. Anorexia in particular has the highest mortality rate of all mental illnesses. Um, And I think people need to know that, that this is not something that, you know, just as a vanity thing and affects, you know, skinny white girls. It affects people of all different races, socioeconomic statuses, ages, males are affected, um, you know, and, and you don't have to be thin to have an eating disorder. So I, I think I knew that we needed to engage some of these, you know, higher level figures and media outlets to help us get that message out. Yeah, I, I can imagine. Um, and uh, in some ways, it's a crude public where, these problems do uh, exist, you know, disorders, they, they, you know, this particularly this, it exists everywhere and you're, you're bang down the middle where it's not just, um, I guess uh, you're going to call it a skinny white girl disorder. Sure. I mean, that's the, I, that's a stigma that's put on it. Um, I can imagine that there are plenty of folks out there who not only want to buck that trend, but who have been on the receiving end of some pretty, pretty harsh stuff, uh, as a result of it, um, one way or the other. So, uh, I think this is great, and the, the awareness that you've been able to spread to both the mainstream media and and folks who have big pockets that are willing to put money where their mouth is 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 really really amazing. Um, and and with that, uh, we we jump forward to today, where like I said before, you are jumping into this full time. You have so much support, but you know there was a time in between graduation where you were not doing this full time, and there was a there was a moment. There must have been where you went from, yeah, I know you were doing some research at Stanford in this very field. You were running Project Heal on the side. And then the moment came right around, you know, a year and what looks like almost a little over two years after you graduated when it was, okay, now's the time to jump into this full time. What what was the catalyst that caused that change specifically? Yeah, I'll actually be, I mean, really, honestly, the moment was more recently um, because I've been... I mean, technically running it full time, but I've kept a hand in the the research world. Um, research has been incredibly important to me since, you know, frankly, I founded this at 15 to raise all this money for treatment, got into college, started studying psychology, was like, oh, my God, we don't always know how to most effectively treat people. And, you know, there's not a lot of evidence based treatments being utilized in the eating disorder field and other mental health fields. So that's what drew my interest in psychology. My long-term plan was always to get a PhD in clinical psychology to really, you know, have a greater impact in developing new evidence-based treatments for this field. Um, and so I've kind of run Project Heal and and kept um, research on the side. And I actually just made the decision not to pursue my PhD in, in clinical psych and to continue really running Project Heal full-time and being at the helm and, and putting my all into this because I think that we have the potential to really, really change the industry. I mean, this is a field that has just been so underdeveloped and the solution that, that we're developing, frankly, it's a it's a really simple one. And oftentimes the best solutions are the really simple ones. Um, you know, this peer support model has been 
well-documented, well-utilized in a number of other mental health spaces. It's cost-effective, it's easy to disseminate, and uh, we already have the 40 chapters on the ground to really do that. And I've decided, it's not that I've decided that, you know, academia and research is is not important. It's actually a very pivotal part of our new model, developing an evidence base for these programs and showing that they're really working. But I've decided that it's better for us to partner with them informally. And I think that where research and academia often fails is in the dissemination and the implementation, right? And uh, they need, I think, more young research-minded social entrepreneurs to take the learnings, okay, what needs to happen? Um, and let me figure out how to get this uh, across the country. So, so that's what we're really working to do. That's amazing. I mean, really, that's and that is the essence. And, and, and listeners, you will know that's that's really the, the message here, that general thought that there are some things which just feel right and which trump all else. And if that means that you're going to deviate from some path where you're on path of higher education or academia, whilst not discrediting that as insignificant, sometimes it is important to just make that hard decision. And, and as is proven here by Christina's story and the story of Project Heal, uh, it, it really it really is worth it. I mean, just go go through the website here and we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit. Go read through stories. Uh, listen to all the great press that is going on right now, deservedly so, covering this. And uh, most importantly, and I know you guys have an event coming up, but I want to talk about this because uh, it wasn't too long ago that you were uh, running a uh, running a a fundraiser out in Silicon Valley uh, that was covered by Forbes, in which you, you you raised a quarter of a million dollars. I mean, that's I mean, talk about a far cry from the ten thousand in your first fundraiser. <laughs> uh, amazing, uh, you know, gala hosted by you know Ariana Huffington, and you had all of these these VCs and tech billionaires come in and and, and raise their voice and, and, and show uh, that that they were behind this too. Uh, it's really, really, truly amazing. And, and um, I guess I would have to agree is that, you know, the, what you're doing, the awareness that you are bringing about, the backing that you are receiving, I think it just seems from an outsider's perspective who is admittedly ignorant about all the science and all of that, um, it seems like um, a cause worth daring for. And I want to talk about the next gala that you have because I know that there is one coming up uh, in May and yeah. it is not happening out in Silicon Valley. It's happening out on our coast. So let's talk about that a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. So our ninth annual New York City Gala uh, has come a long way since the one we started when we were 15. Uh, this year, we're really excited. It's going to be at City Winery. We're expecting about 500 people this year and are thrilled to be honoring actress Lily Collins and director Marty Noxon from the new feature film To the Bone, which is really the first feature film um, about anorexia and does an amazing job of portraying you know the the truth of the illness and that these are really serious mental health issues um but that recovery is possible and lily and marty after creating the film and it was one of the highest grossing films at sundance this year uh, they both have have come out and openly spoken about their own recoveries from eating disorders so 
thrilled to be able to have them there and honor them. And I actually think the movie in general, we're, we're partnering with them for promotion, but it's, it's going to do a huge, huge amount to um, really increase the public perception of this disorder. And then we also have Mitch Grossi from Pentatonix, who's going to be performing, and Elvis Duran and the Z100 Morning Zoo. Uh, they're our MCs this year. So should be a, a star-studded event, and uh, it's at City Winery on May 16th. And our, our galas always do a really, really fantastic job of um, showcasing the work that we do and, and why it's really needed. So would love anybody who's listening to, to come out and learn more about our work and have a great time. Yeah, folks uh, out in the in the in the New York area or or traveling there around that time, I, I would uh, really ca- consider coming along or um, you know talking if you're if you're working for for a company that is is charity uh, uh, minded to 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 do this uh, and research minded and advocacy minded because uh, this is a fantastic. I mean, this got to be one of the best causes out there that I can think of off the top of my head and. Um, you know, if you're not, even if you're not around the, the New York area, um, obviously any anything helps. So so you could go to uh, Project Heal's website, theprojectheal.org, uh, and make a donation right there and uh, and show your support and, and raise your voice for this uh, for this amazing cause. Um, Christina, I, you know, I, I, you're right. We could talk for what'd you say years? I think before <laughs> I know, hours. I think you said hours about all of uh, about all of this. Um, and and I, I really want to encourage people to to read more about your story here uh, on the website. Across you know you were you were featured by Forbes many times. You're on the Forbes 30 Under 30 for 2017 and Social Entrepreneurs alongside your co-founder, uh, which is which is another uh, amazing sort of uh, notch in your <laughs> in your in your storied resume at this point. Uh, and I guess I have two more questions really. And um, one of them I think I've answered myself because it's more around shameless self-plugging than anything else. But uh, the, the second question is what I want to focus on. And um, so I'm going to sure. put a hypothetical in front of you. I ask this question to everybody. And this one is going to be a little bit different because I typically ask people, uh, you know, when you're on the verge of, uh, you're considering what we would call a dare here on the show, deviating from the past, deviating from something that you thought you were going to do and jumping whole hog into, into some new venture or some passion. I often ask, what would you tell the person that's on the edge of doing that to push them off the cliff? And, and I often hear a lot of stuff like, oh, just do it, just go and do it. But I want to ask you a question that's twofold. The first is somewhat like that. If you have, if you're talking with somebody who, who cares so desperately about a cause that they are willing to devote this significant amount of time into it. But there are other things, of course, the real world comes knocking. In a lot of cases, folks who are so passionate about causes like this don't necessarily either have the, the resources or the, the idea necessary to, to generate something that is so self-sustaining and self-rewarding around it. I would ask, what advice would you have to that person as a first step towards building a project around some cause that they care about, either in a non-for-profit context or elsewhere? That's the first question, so I want you to keep that in mind. And the second question is, what advice would you give to somebody who is suffering from this terrible disorder, who uh, who is not sure where to turn, who is, uh, frankly, who, who, who considers the prospect of this woefully expensive care as impossible uh, and, and what would you tell what would you tell them and what's the first step that they could take towards towards bettering themselves in the way of of education or or or, or 
awareness or, or building science and data into whatever it is, I guess on those two fronts, what would you say to, to folks like that? Sure, absolutely. Two good questions. Uh, so to, for the first one, um, it's been a long journey. And I would say the, the biggest thing that we have is perseverance, right? We have worked at this for, for nine years and it's really, you know, reaching out and plugging along and plugging along and kind of you ask a hundred times and get one response and slowly that dial begins to turn and then you get more and more responsiveness and more feedback, but really it's a game of perseverance. Um, to somebody thinking about, so, so that, that, I say that because to somebody thinking about taking this on and and really, you know, investing in a cause for their whole life, it's a it's a huge commitment. It's a really big commitment. Um, I would say, and maybe this is the not as you know, kind of sexy as an answer, but do your homework on what already exists. I I see far too often that there are so many organizations, specifically nonprofits within the same space, kind of working in silos to do, you know, different things. And we just don't have enough people and resources and, you know, funding to, to not be working together on this stuff. And chances are there is an organization who's doing something similar where you can come and really have a huge difference and start your own innovative program within that organization without having to, to totally reinvent the wheel. Um, so my bent is always on collaboration. That said, if there really is nothing and, and you really care about this issue tremendously, then, you know, if that's where your heart is leading you, you got to do it. And I think, you know, one of the reasons that Project Heal has become my life's mission and my life's work is that this field has just been so underdeveloped. Like nobody has really touched it. Um, and there is, you know, both so much work to do, but also so much potential to drive change. Um, so I think just, you know, doing your homework, figuring out, really figuring out the lay of the land and how you are going to be best positioned to, you know, changing the field is, is incredibly important. Um, and then to your second question about um, what to do if you have, a, you know, one of your listeners, they're struggling with an eating disorder, worried about, you know, where to go for help, who to turn to, how to pay for it. Talk to somebody is my biggest advice. I mean, I think this disorder thrives on silence and shame and stigma. And what I see all the time is people kind of feeling like, well, I'm 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 not sick enough. I'm kind of okay. The disorder that's what it preaches to you, that you're never sick enough, you're always kind of okay. And, uh, you know, fortunately or unfortunately, a lot of people with eating disorders are incredibly high functioning until they're not. Um, and it only continues to get to get worse and it can get worse very quickly. And, and frankly, it only begins, it only continues to get harder to turn the train around when you've been doing the same behaviors and have to, having the same thought patterns for so long. And so the sooner you can reach out and talk to somebody who's trusted and tell them about this issue, you know, you're not committing to anything, just, just talking to somebody, just getting help. That is step one. Um, and to help kind of, 
dip your toe in, in the water a little bit, I would certainly recommend I'm biased, but our you know website and blog and social media page to just provide some inspiration to, you know, get yourself on that on that track to where you're ready to start speaking about it, speaking about it, because I think a lot of people come to our page in that same place, you know, not totally ready. And, and that helps them to see that, you know, this is a real issue, but they're not alone in this and that full recovery really is possible. It's all about the first step, folks. I mean, really is if you want to get over the hump of, 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 a, of a mental block, of an emotional block, a psychological block, and, you know, whatever, whatever the ailment is, whatever the challenge is, um, it's all about having the courage to take that first step. And, and beyond that, um, just like you said, having the persistence to, to see it through. Uh, I, again, you know, this is incredibly inspiring stuff. And, and please do, guys, leverage Project Heal either for your own education or for an idea for a great cause to support. Um, it, it truly is uh, something worth doing. Um, and if you want to find these folks on social media, uh, you could find them on Facebook uh, at Project Heal. You could find them uh, on Instagram at Project Heal, Twitter at The Project Heal. Uh, like we were saying, the gala in New York City taking place on May the 16th, hosted and uh, entertained by all those fine folks who Christina mentioned before. Um, Christina Saffron, co-founder, co-executive director, thank you so much for coming on the show and for sharing your story. Um, it, it's, it's amazing what you're doing, and, and I hope you just keep on doing it. Thank you so much for having me, Adam. I really appreciate it. If you want to find out more about what Project Heal is all about, go visit their website, theprojectheal.org. They're also available on social media, Facebook and Instagram, at Project Heal, Twitter, at The Project Heal, and I would also encourage that you look up their gala. This is called the Keys to Recovery, Project Heal's 2017 East Coast Gala. It's happening on Tuesday, May the 16th of this year in New York City. I would encourage if you are living in the area to look this up to potentially go to the event. And even if you can't make it that day, if you're working, for example, for a large corporation that frequently contributes to charitable efforts or causes such as this, put this in front of those people at those companies. I plan to do that uh, for the company that I work for. And it would just mean so much to get money behind this effort. As you heard in that interview, the costs for battling these types of disorders are extraordinarily high and typically not covered. And it's something that Christina is making her dare in and making waves in. And it's something that we can all help to gather together and contribute towards. I hope that you do it. All right, we are looking towards another great week ahead of us. We've had some pretty great weeks recently. Uh, these women have had some fantastic stories. The dares that these females are making are, are amazing, and I'm really enjoying having the chance to talk to them. Next week will be no different. We'll have another chapter of the show, as well as the mini-sode, as is customary on Mondays. If you'd like to get in touch with uh, me, with this program, we're available on social media, at to Dare is Human. You can also subscribe to the show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts so that whenever I upload, it's immediately in your, I suppose, inbox. Whatever the version of that is for your podcasts, that's where I'll be. If you have an email uh, that you'd like to send me, that's hello at todareshuman.com. I would especially recommend you do that if you have a recommendation for somebody who should be on this show, particularly for this series. 
Like I said, this is meant to run for a couple more weeks, but I'd like to run it for as long as I possibly can. And I've already had at least two potential new chapters for this series come in from feedback. So I would strongly encourage if you have somebody in mind, send me an email. Hopefully it just takes a minute, but it would mean the world to me. What would also mean the world, though admittedly you don't have to do this part, but if you like the show and want to comment publicly about it, go over to iTunes and leave a rating and review. I've talked about this in the past couple weeks, in the past couple episodes. It's not necessary. I would love to see it. I'm sure people who are looking up the show would love to see some positive endorsement from you. But again, I would much prefer uh, if you reach out to me with an idea for the show and for creating another profile of a fantastic female if it's between that and a rating and review. I would appreciate the content. All right, that is enough rambling. I will see you again, or you'll hear from me again on Monday. We'll be going into another mini-sode and then another wonderful chapter of this wonderful series next Wednesday. And until then, this has been another episode. I'm your host, Adam Connor. Keep daring, and I'll see you later.